Hello everyone and welcome to Rain on Your Parade. Today I'm going to be doing my Christmas movie. Um, I really feel like I want to do Mr. Robot, but uh, I kind of want to do that episode by episode. Maybe it'll fall on Christmas next year. Maybe next year around this time I'll be doing season four. Like, I'm going to have to plan it out to start covering Mr. Robot next year at a certain time to where season four will land at Christmas. Um, of course I want to watch it every single year, but you know, I'm probably going to, but anyway, today I'm going to be doing one Christmas movie. Um, and also I want to add a thing. I was listening to my last podcast about Thanksgiving shows and I think, you know, there's a lot of problems with this show. I have a lot of problems with it, but one thing is Slapsgiving <laughs> from How I Met Your Mother. Some of the running jokes they had on there were just endearing, so, you know. Anyway, I just want to add in Slapsgiving is kind of enjoyable. Um, Jason Seagal is just always perfect. <laughs> like, I just love Jason Seagal. Like, I didn't think I did, but then, like, I don't know. I kind of do love him. Anyway, <clears throat> let's get into it. Today, we're going to be talking about Thomas Kincaid's Christmas Cottage. And I know this doesn't sound like something that, like, I would find good because it seems like a Hallmark movie, sort of, because it's Thomas Kincaid kind of seems, you know, wholesome. <laughs> I'm not really into family-friendly stuff, like, not because they're family friendly but because like usually they're cheesy and Thomas Kincaid seems like he would be cheesy but this movie is not cheesy it's 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 really not um Peter O'Toole and Jared Padalecki and Marsha Gay Harden and you know it was directed by Michael Campus he he produced it and directed it um <laughs> let's see it was written the screenplay was written by someone but actually it was written by Ken Lebanek La Lebnik. I've never heard of him, but thank you for writing this. And, um, of course, Thomas, you know, his input, he, you know, these are his stories of his real life, and it's not exactly word for word, like, everything, but, like, he, you know, these are all based on true things. Um, he kind of altered some things. We'll get to that later, but I know what some of the things he altered are, and, like, it's so funny because <laughs> one year I, ha I had to buy the DVD. I bought the DVD for my mom because she loves Thomas and Kate. And, like, I like this movie more than she does, though. Like, I think. Because it's more attuned to my likes because it's about art, you know. And um, I was staring at the case, and the case has Marsha and Jared and Peter O'Toole on the cover. And, like, I'm standing there staring at the case lovingly, and I'm like, Oh, I love you, Peter O'Toole. And then I was like, wouldn't a girl my age normally be staring at this, like, having a crush on Jared? Because he is, I mean, I do have a crush on Jared. He's actually, like, so beautiful. But, like, it's just funny that, like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, gosh, I love you, Peter O'Toole. And, like, I don't I don't have a crush on Peter O'Toole, but I, I love him so much. And, um, she's like, gosh, I'm such a weirdo. Like, most girls my age would be, like, only watching. Like, not actually. I hate when people say most girls. But, like, 
it just seems more likely that a girl my age would be like even if they didn't like this they would like it because jared's in it because he is hot like i agree that he's super hot but like and i had like i started to watch the new walker show because of him but i like him you know like it's not just that i think he's cute but like you know i like him as an actor but <laughs> it's just funny and Keegan Allen's in that too is one of the reasons and you know Liars, I had to like give it a try but I might haven't watched it really but I might get into it but anyway um yeah I was just like I feel like such a weirdo because I'm staring at this case and Jared Padalecki's gorgeous and he is and um I just was like but my thing was I was just staring at it thinking like oh my gosh I freaking love Peter O'Toole and like back in the day he's in my favorite movie like my favorite movie of all time and it's not necessarily my favorite movie because it's like it's just my go-to when people ask me what my favorite movie is and I have to say it because it's like it's the one that I picked you know because I can't say what my favorite movie is or show like, I, I don't know. Most people don't know their actual favorite movie or favorite TV show. But, like, I had to pick one to say is my favorite movie. So, I'm just, I was just like, well, since it's, like, so... Includes so many things, you know, so many different elements. Um, I always say this is my favorite movie, even though it's not. I mean, it is, but it's... You know what I mean? Like, I love it, but it's, like... No, I could never actually pick my favorite movie, but that's my go-to you know, thing that I say, but, um, it's called How to Steal a Million, and it's from the 60s or 50s, it's old, um, it's called How to Steal a Million, and it's starring Peter O'Toole and Audrey Hepburn, and it's one of my favorite movies, it really is one of my favorite movies, it's got, I mean, I can't, like, I can't even describe how good it is, like, I'll have to cover it on here sometime, because it's freaking amazing, but, I love Audrey Hepburn and I don't love Audrey Hepburn just in a way that some people do as in like they think it's cool to post pictures of her on their Facebook with memes you know no I like actually like her as an actress like you know what I mean like I actually like her acting abilities she impresses me with her acting like I actually do like her um so that's just like yeah I even like I like Marilyn Monroe like and it's because of her, you know, acting and her personality. It's not anything, to, it's not at all, like, I think it's cool to have Marilyn Monroe, like, pictures on my Facebook or whatever. Like, no. Like, I actually have seen Marilyn Monroe movies and I like her movies. And I, like, I take Audrey more serious. I, f I feel like Audrey is a more serious actress. But then again, she was, you know, Marilyn was typecast. You know, she couldn't really help it. But anyway. I refused to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's for such a long time because of all the, I just thought I wouldn't like it based on what people acted like it was. And then when I watched it and found out what it actually was, I was like, no, this is actually like really good. You know, like it actually is good. I've read it too. I have the book. Um, the, yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> that's besides the point. Anyway. How to Steal a Million is this wonderful movie. It's, it's it's a comedy, but it's like, it's not a comedy like today's comedy. Like back in the day, comedies were so subtle, so much more subtle and just like fun. Like, I don't know. It, it It's not like The Hangover or something like ridiculous. Like comedy nowadays is like whatever. But <clears throat> oh, 
I love Doris Day too, but anyway, I was just thinking about this movie that Doris Day did with Rock Hudson that was like, um, what was it? I can't remember exactly what it was called, but he, he was like a hypochondriac. It was hilarious. Um, he thought he was going to die, and it was, it's, which sounds bad, but like he, it was funny as heck, like Rock Hudson and that endorsed, it was just funny, but she's hilarious. But anyway, but she can also be serious, like in, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much, she actually like outshone Jimmy Stewart. Like the only person I've ever seen like overshadow Jimmy Stewart with acting is Doris Day, and it was in a drama. And it was, like, one of the only dramas she did because she was usually in comedies. And it's, like, I, like she just, oh, anyway, I'm not even going to go there. Um, I mean, he was good, but, you know, it was one of those things where you're, like, how is she, like, outperforming him in this? Like, she, it, she like, overshadowed him a little bit. Like, and it was just, and that rarely, you know, Jimmy Stewart. But anyway. <sighs> So, Peter O'Toole was in How to Steal a Million with Audrey Hepburn, and that was the only movie they did together, but he, he talked about it later in an interview, um, and was like, he wished he had done more movies with Audrey, and I was like, I totally agree. Like, I totally agree. They, they were, their chemistry was impeccable. Like, I, it was just great. And seeing them together, it felt so real. Like, they were actually falling in love. And it was just, I mean, sorry for a spoiler, but, like, it's from the 60s. It's, like, an old movie. And um, her outfits in that and her makeup choices and everything. Like, even her, like, because she was hanging out at home. And, like, they have a purple staircase. She lives with her dad. And he's, like, a, here's what the, like, plot is. It's, like, her dad is a artist, but he paints fake like paintings like van gogh paintings and like i feel like audrey hepburn is the only person on earth that like ever said his name properly and i can't even hardly do it she's like van gogh van gogh <laughs> it's his van gogh he doesn't have to because he was van gogh like <laughs> and her dad made all these fake paintings you know and sold them as though they were van true van goghs and um he was like a art fraud or whatever whatever you call them people and so she was always paranoid about her dad and her, she lived with her dad and he was kind of eccentric and like he looked kind of wild you know but he was fun he was like lovable but wild looking and he was you know committing a crime but he was still likable you know and like her name was Nicole and um so they had this big purple staircase and I was like freaking amazing. And he had the secret hidden room that went up to the attic to where he painted things and he got dirt from like the land that like, where Van Gogh lived to like put into the paint that he painted these fake Van Gogh paintings with. And it's like this is amazing. <laughs> like he, he and she he's like Van Gogh himself didn't put as much work into his paintings that I do. She's like, he didn't have to because he was Van Gogh. You know, and like her accent is amazing. But anyway, so they, they lived in Paris, right? They were in Paris in this movie. And he was this fake painter. He painted like fake, you know. And um, he was rich. And she's like, she was always paranoid about that. And then he donated a statue he had, a little, like, little statue, like, and it was called the Cellini Venus. I guess it was supposed to be, like, um, <clears throat> I don't know, whatever it's called. You know what I'm talking about? The, um, I know it, but I can't remember at the moment. Anyway. 
<clears throat> it was supposed to be the Cellini Venus, but actually it was just his rendering of it. His, but he didn't make it. Like, he didn't make the fake, like, statue. It was actually his grandfather who made a fake <laughs> Cellini Venus. And it was supposedly worth a million dollars. And he donated it to be on display at the museum. And he's like, they're not selling it. I'm not trying to sell it. It's just going to be on display there. Just give people joy, blah, blah, blah. And, like, she's like, you can't let the museum. They're going to test it. And he's like... They're not going to test it. Why would they? Because it's not costing them anything. It's just a, you know, a donation to sit there. And um. anyway, she gets all paranoid about it. And then like they had to put insurance on the Cellini Venus. So when they're trying to put insurance on it, they're like, we have to have it inspected since we're going to be putting insurance on it. So she's like, oh my gosh. And um, she's like, we have to get the Cellini Venus out of that museum. So like she's laying in bed reading a Hitchcock book <laughs> which is like whoa and it's like she, you know come on like I could just I could go on about how Hitchcock wouldn't let brunettes be in his movies like the leading lady in his movies and it's like you're gonna pass up Audrey Hepburn just because we'll call him anyway so <laughs> she's reading Hitchcock and um she's terrified you know she's in bed reading Hitchcock her dad went out to a party or whatever and like she hears something downstairs and she goes downstairs and there's this dude trying to like he looks like he's trying to steal her like painting one of her dad's paintings so she's like gets this gun her dad has hanging on the wall for decoration and she, like and then the guy that's like robbing them or the guy that broke in their house is peter o'toole but he's like young at this point and like he's hot he's beautiful he's just so beautiful and like um so they have all these interactions she's like you're a thief, you know, and she like shoots him in the arm. <laughs> it's just great. And it's so funny. And um she's she, she's gonna call the police and he's like, You don't you know, blah blah blah. You have the police like look at this painting closely and like I'm not gonna say like the twist of it, but like he you know, Peter O'Toole was there and Audrey Hepburn and she's she eventually is like contacts him and she's like I want you to help me steal the Cellini Venus out of this museum since you're a thief and um he's like you're starting with something a million dollars why don't you start you know with something small and she's like you don't expect me to steal something that isn't mine do you because <laughs> it's like the only reason she wants to steal it out of the museum is she doesn't want them to inspect it she doesn't tell him that but like she, he's like it's your family it, this the statue belongs to your family but like you're trying to steal it. And she's like, you're right. You know, like, he's like, why don't you just wait until it's home and steal it? And she's like, that's not the point, you know, but she can't tell him that she, you know, wants to steal it because it's a fake. But anyway, it's, it's just, and it's so good. And like, he's really good at like thievery. And so like all his little tricks he does is just like how he, you know, does things. It's just really interesting to watch because of, it's smart he does like little smart tricks and it's like really fun and it's funny you know they have this banter and like at one point she's like this guy broke in your house papa and her dad's like oh he did and he's like where is he now and she's like i drove him back to his hotel and he's like you did and she's like yeah he's like he didn't uh and this is like bad and it's like me too but it's like funny the way it i'm not gonna say it because it's, it's uh, anyway it's just funny in the moment it's hilarious but anyways <laughs> of course you know obviously they fall in love that's not a spoiler because everybody could guess that but like 
it's funny because Peter O'Toole played the guy and the and Audrey played Nicole. Well, anyway, in this movie, The Christmas Cottage, Peter O'Toole plays Glenn Westman. Well, Glenn Wessler in the movie is based off Glenn Westman, the real artist. But anyway, <clears throat> Peter O'Toole plays this artist who was in Paris. He's trying to paint his, like, dead wife, Nicole. And he remembers her being in Paris. And I'm like, oh my gosh, headcanon. It's the same couple. Like, in the previous movie, he had a lot to do with art. He wasn't a painter himself, like, in How to Steal Man, but, like, art was his world. He was in the art world. And I'm like, what if in that movie, and he got with Nicole in Paris, what if in that movie he got with her, then he decided to become an artist since he was surrounded by it all the time. He knew how to do it, so, like, you know, he became an artist, and then he changed his name, you know, for some reason, and became Glenn Wessler, and Nicole's name stayed the same, and he got with Nicole. And it's it's weird, because it's Peter O'Toole, and he's talking about his lost love, Nicole, from Paris, and Peter O'Toole was in the other movie where he was with Nicole in Paris, and it's like, it's the same couple. It's not really, but, like, my headcanon is that it is. Because it's, like, so weird that it, she has the same name. And it's Peter O'Toole, you know? And it's, like, the... And it's also in Paris. So it's, like... You know? I I was, like... It blew my mind when I realized that. I was, like, Nicole! And, like, ugh! Yeah. I, it's exciting to me, but whatever. I actually haven't even started the movie, but if you want to watch it along, I'm watching it on... I have the DVD, but I did find it because um, I wanted to watch it on my TV and not my laptop. So I found it on Vudu um, for free. So you can watch it for free on Vudu. And there was like another thing you could watch it for free on. So it's free to watch. And I'm going to start it finally. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't I have to activate Vudu. Like, no, man. No. Anyway, I'm, I'm gonna try and see what happens. It kind of starts on, like, when the title card comes up, it looks like a... It looks like a horror movie. But, man, Jared Pilegi's hot. Starts off with him in Berkeley, California in 77, and he's, like, trying to draw this chick... <laughs> that he was dating, I guess. He has a voiceover uh, during this whole thing, and it's Jared talking, but, like, him and his brother are going home for the Christmas in Placerville. <laughs> He's just telling what's all going on. But, uh, Hope was his girlfriend's name in college, but, like, uh, so they're driving home and blah 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 and he says that Berkeley was like a world away for him even though it was like not very far as the crow flies <laughs> as he put it it's like what why but anyway um, <clears throat> that's an old saying I guess but anyway so I mean it makes sense but you know um, but they drove home in a motorcycle like he had a motorcycle with a sidecar and that's what they drove all the way home in in this snowy mountain range and I'm like this is not fun like aren't you guys freezing like to death I don't I don't know how far it is actually but like 
<laughs> I'm gonna look up how far it is from Berkeley because and I don't I mean before this movie I didn't really know Thomas Kincaid went to Berkeley but that's cool but it's like weird you know it's like he I don't know you always hear about these people that got famous and you're like how did they get famous if they nobody knew them that's just like a miracle or like they just got famous one day and it's like but this kind of shows you that that doesn't really happen like it's almost never gonna happen like for anybody like most of the people like Kid Rock grew up super rich actually you know he didn't you know it's, it's just you know what I'm saying like it just feels depressing because it's like a lot of people that people think are self-made or not and I'm not saying that he doesn't have his own talent because he does it was just he had some feet in somehow you know what I mean like he didn't live that far from Berkeley and I don't know it's just some stuff and 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 like he was best friends with a famous painter which I guess Glenn Westman wasn't that famous but like he was a professional painter he sold paintings so it's like I you know it's just kind of like how did that even happen <laughs> you know what I mean like how, I mean I know it was meant to happen it was fate probably but it just I don't know but anyway the only thing I really want to comment on is freaking like you're driving a motorcycle in the dead of winter but he tells Hope like he's going home with his brother Pat and he'll be back he's gonna drive back to her on Christmas night and he's like nothing will stop me and that was all his you know he was more interested in them and he's like every year you know, we come home, I paint the scenery for the Christmas play, and my mom does choir in the woods with kids at Christmas, and it's like, is it not cold for them, too? Like, what? You people don't care about the cold. Like, maybe it's because they're used to it, but it's just, to me, it's like, what? Like, I know it's cold there, and you're out in the woods with children. Like, it has to be freezing. <laughs> and she's not even wearing a coat. She's barely wearing a coat. Anyway, Marsha's great. Um, But anyway, yeah, Jared's cute as heck, and I'm just like, yeah <laughs> actually kind of dated this guy that looks a lot like him once and it's like i didn't even realize it until like the show walker i started watching it and i'm like he looks exactly like this dude i know and i'm like why did they look so much alike he didn't look as much like him until walker but it, they do look alike now that i'm like looking at him um it's crazy <laughs> but i didn't even realize it until walker i was like wait he looks like so and so so yeah, I made out with a dude that looks like Jared Padalecki, guys. <laughs> Are you jealous? And like he, I'm not even going to go into it, but he, he's cute as heck. He's a sweet guy. But anyway, it's all good. Um, We never, we didn't, it wasn't serious, but like, it is cool though. It's like, wow, he looks like Jared Padalecki. I didn't realize it. I mean, I knew he was cute, but I didn't know he was that cute. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it didn't register with me, like. He is he is just as cute as Jared Padalecki. Like, that's cool. Like, you know. It doesn't make him cuter realizing that. But, I mean, he was already that cute on his own. But it's just like... I don't know. It's just funny to me that it's like all of these people are obsessed with Jared Padalecki. And I'm like, well... <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. We're gonna get into it. So they get home and their nosy neighbor's there with his dog and the dog loves Tom. And um, then uh, it's actually Glenn Westman in the movie, but it's based on Glenn Westler, the artist. I, get it, I got it backwards, but whatever. Um, anyway, um, his mom says she's got to get supper to Glenn. And so Tom's in the over 
voiceover talking about how, you know, God placed Glenn there for Tom, pointing Tom towards painting and Glenn taught him how to paint. It's all this beautiful, like, wholesome family stuff. And he he comes into the garage or the, the building where Glenn lives. And, uh, cause he lives in a barn. Like, Glenn lives in a barn out in the field behind Tom's house. Like, actually. <laughs> so, um, Tom, like, goes out there with his supper. And, um, he's like, hey, Glenn. And it's all this wonderful, beautiful, like, oh, I'm an artist and it's lovely. And, oh, this is sweet. Blah, blah, blah. Christmas time. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it kind of seems wholesome and sweet. <laughs> he walks in and he's like, Glenn, are you home? And then. Glenn, in the most rough-sounding voice ever, Peter O'Toole was like, "Close the D door." <laughs> it's like there he is. <laughs> it just cracked me up how it's such a contrast. He's like, "Close the damn door." <laughs> oh my gosh, I love him, and he's so abrasive in this. It's so wonderful. He's like grouchy and abrasive, and it's just he's he's a chef's kiss. I mean, he's lovely and beautiful, but, like, he's abrasive and he does not... He just says whatever. And some of the stuff he says is hilarious. He's kind of got dementia, so he says the funniest stuff and I don't know, I love him. Glenn's hands are all, like, curled up and he can't hardly use them, so it's hard for him to paint. And he can't paint Nicole. And I'm staring at this drawing of Nicole, like, does that look like Audrey? But anyway, <laughs> he kind of does. But, um... What I found interesting about this conversation is Glenn's, like, talking to him and stuff. And he's like, don't get old, Tom. And Tom just, like, smiles to himself. And Glenn's like, that's some of my wisdom in this old age. Don't get old. And he, like, takes out his little notepad and starts to write it down. Because he does that. And, like, after Tom died in real life, Thomas Kincaid died. Because um, I saw this movie several times before Tom Thomas died. But, like, after he died... <clears throat> the year that he died and I watched this I was like I wonder if like that's something that actual Glenn said to actual Tom because he told him not to get old and like and it's because Tom died when he was really young you know so it's like that's kind of weird you know what I mean like it's kind of sad and weird but like I wonder if he actually said those words to him you know it's like kind of weird that he said that and like Tom you know, didn't get old. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I'm going to start crying. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. And, and it's weird because Jared Padalecki, like, he looks like you're like, there's no way Tom was, like, that hot. You know what I mean? Like, he's so hot. But, like, if you see pictures of young Thomas Kincaid, this is actually a very good casting because, you know, Peter O'Toole doesn't look that much like Glenn, but, like, he's, it works. He's fabulous. There's no other casting that would work for this. He's perfect. But anyway, Thomas, uh, as a young guy, looked a lot like Jared. Like, a lot. <laughs> so it's like, he was hot. But anyway. <laughs> His art advice is, per like, beautiful. Because he's like, it's actually really good stuff. Like, if you're an artist. Like, it's good to watch this just for the art advice. Because <laughs> Tom's like, well, I've been getting... Because Glenn's like, what have you been painting lately? I like to see your new stuff. And he's like, I've been doing an expressionist stuff. And he's like, I'm kind of getting lost. And Glenn's like, well, that'll get you lost real quick. He's like, art isn't about the artist. Art is about life. It's about love. It's about emotion. He's like, art should inspire emotion so powerful that it can topple tyranny. And I'm like, that, the, 
he's, he's so beautiful. And then, you know, Tom starts talking to him about Nicole, and he's like, we were in Paris before the war. And it's like, which one? Because does that fall in line with, like, <laughs> you know? Well, I guess he means World War Two. This is 77. I guess it doesn't work, because in 77, the guy from, oh, darn it. The guy from, uh, because this doesn't feel like 77. This feels very modern, so, like, I, I'm like, uh. But anyway. In 77, this would have been just a few years after, um, not that long after How to Steal a Million, but whatever. I'm keeping my head cannon, I don't care. <laughs> I'm keeping the head cannon, I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't match up Tom was, but whatever. But I guess he is talking about, um, probably World War II, because in, in Paris, you know, but whatever. Peter O'Toole's laundry delivery is, like, so captivating. It doesn't even matter... Like, the things he's saying are beautiful things, but, like, he's like, you have to see the light in Paris in the summer, you know? And he's like, it holds the leaves like God's hand, you know? And, like, he says all these things, and he... But, like, it's not just the, the things he's saying. It's Peter Peter O'Toole's lawn delivery is so captivating. It's, like, I, his accent and the way he says things just is so captivating. And it's like, I love this man. I love this man. Like, I want to be here for, like, Jared Padalecki because I'm like, he's hot, you know? And, like, he he's special, but, like, and he's good at acting. But it's, like, in every moment that Thomas is with Glenn, like, Peter Toole steals the scene so much. And, like, the, there's a couple times where, like, he doesn't talk because he's senile. You know, he's getting dementia and he, he's kind of, he's very old and feeble, but, like, Jared's doing great and there's like a couple scenes where Jared has to take over because Glenn isn't even talking and I'll get to that when we get there but like in these ones where like he's Glenn is talking it's like <laughs> it doesn't matter who is sitting beside him he is captivating this entire screen like he is just so captivating I could listen to him talk forever like I love hearing him talk like, I just, I want to hear him talk forever. <laughs> like, he's just so great. Um, I just, I love hearing him talk with his accent and his voice and the way he says things. It's just, <sighs> I'm in love with him. <laughs> and it's like, I should be focused. Like, it just feels weird because it's like, I, you know, Jared Padalecki, he's super hot and he's a young guy and he's like my age. And But like, that's not at all. You know, I'm so captivated by Peter O'Toole. It's like that's his ability. That's his, that's his his light is coming through and his 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 performance, and it's just so wonderful. Oh my gosh, where I've been changing channels on my TV, my fireplace is like remote. Act like I have a remote to my fireplace, but the remote for my TV works for <laughs> like when I change the channels, it changes things on my fireplace. And, like, it changed the, like, wood to look orange. Like, no, man. Anyway, there is a commercial break. This, this has an ad. It's free with ads. So I had to watch ads. But, um, anyway, I just wanted to gush on and on about how Peter O'Toole, and I'll probably do that, that whole, the whole movie. Peter O'Toole, just so captivating. He's learning Latin. The dead language for the dead, he says. 
I guess he's practicing for like he thinks he's I mean he he's he's kind of fatalistic. He's very fatalistic in this movie, like this character is, but you know. This is funny to me. I think he's joking, like Tom acts like he's there's something wrong with him, but it's like actually I think he's just being funny. Cause um he's talking about the light in Paris and Tom's like he's like, You can't capture it and Tom's like, if you painted that your art dealer and Sam wherever would be happy and he's like Sydney he's like Sydney always tries to inspire me and then he gets his little notepad and he starts writing he's like for Sydney tell him to go to hell <laughs> and Tom starts laughing he's like you like Sydney and he's like I do <laughs> oh Tom is like crying because Glenn is like kind of getting senile because he's like you like Sydney and he's like do I? And he's like, you always said you did. And Tom kind of is like crying a little. Like he gets tears in his eyes because Glenn is like, well, what was I writing then? And he's like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. He's like, just you don't need to write it down. You probably remember to tell him to go to hell when you see him. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> it's sad, but it's funny. You know what I mean? Like it's it's one of those things. <sighs> it's so emotional, but it's so it's sweet and funny and sad all at once. <clears throat> all his scenes with Glenn are like that, but anyway, his mom's house is falling apart. It's raining and like her house is falling apart. It's the cot her mom his his mom's house is the cottage in the you know that's the what it's about. I looked it up and Plasterville is two hours drive from Berkeley, so it's like on a motorcycle two hours in the winter like that would be freaking cold I'm sorry like that's cold <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, gee I freaking love the art advice in this movie like if you took everything else out I don't even like like I care about all of it but like even the just the whole relationship between Tom and Glenn and their everything Glenn says about art is that alone is enough to make me love this movie Ugh. but he says something later that's like one of my favorite things it's so touching but it, he doesn't even say it it's like Tom telling him that he said it it's so beautiful I'm like Jared Padalecki's line delivery spot on for most things in this movie but like <clears throat> it's great that like he's keeping up Acting wise, he's keeping up so strongly with Peter O'Toole, you know? He is, though. Like, I mean, you know, like I said, Peter O'Toole's captivating and taking your attention away from Tom, who's gorgeous, but like, he is holding his own. Like, Jared is holding his own. He's alone with, like, Peter O'Toole acting one on one, you know? And it's just, he's holding his own so hard. I'm like, this is the movie that let me know Jared is, like, a actual, like, really good actor. Because I had not seen him in anything other than Gilmore Girls. And I'm like, Dean sucks. But, like, <laughs> I mean, I kind of like Dean at some points. But, you know, he was a person with flaws. <laughs> you know, a lot of people complain about stuff in Gilmore Girls. And, like, Lorelai did this and I don't like it. So I don't like her. And I'm like, you know why there's, like, moments in this show where you don't like a lot, like, Every single person in that show, there's like a point in time where they act terrible because they're human beings. They are actual, you know, they're characters that are realistic. And I like that. But anyway, Dean sucked later on a lot more. Like, he sucked a lot of the time. 
like as a character, but whatever. That's not Jared's fault. But like I hadn't seen him in anything else. So when I saw him in this, I was like, Chef's kiss, he's great. <laughs> I can't believe he's this good at acting. Especially like being with Peter O'Toole and like most of the scenes with Peter O'Toole happen is, is only him with Tom, so it's like <sighs> he's pretty much one of the only people that interacts with him in this movie. Because he's out in the barn away from everybody. Like, but Sydney comes by and then, you know, he does interact with, like, Pat and Marsha's character. But it's like, you know, mostly it's just Jared and him. And so it's like, them together, it's just, and it, it the, the chemistry, the acting chemistry, everything is exactly where it needs to be. They're both doing top tier acting and line delivery. And it's just, it's just. Jared is so good. It's like he elevated in my mind of like a talented actor because of this movie. Like I haven't really watched Supernatural. Sorry. I know that's going to be like like people, you know, really love that. Now I'm not dissing them, but it's like I just haven't watched it. It's just not my cup of tea. It's fine if other people like it. And I will say the thing that I like about Supernatural, I've seen some episodes, them two boys, I like them. Their acting and their chemistry and their, you know, just them two guys. Yeah, I totally like them. But, like, it's just the whole plots of each episode. I just, it's not my thing to watch a show with, like, it's harder for me to get into a show where there's not one overarching plot line. And I'm sure there is because they're brothers and, they, you know, they're blah, blah, blah. They have family drama. But it's like, you know, I'm just saying. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, I'm I'm very picky about what I watch, and it's a long show. And but those two guys are great. I know those guys are great. Like the characters and the actors are just fantastic, and I can see why people are attracted to watching it because of them. You know, but like it's just the show itself is not my cup of tea. But I do love Jared and Jensen like so much. Like they are great. But anyway, yeah. Um, if you like that, you should. Just to see Jared at least watch this and like there's a lot of stuff that comes about because like just if you're there's so many reasons to watch this. If you're into Christmas, if you're into Jared, if you're into Peter O'Toole, if you're into like painting, there's so many different people this could appeal to, you know? And of course it's Christian, like uh Thomas was a Christian. Glenn says in here that he does he's not, but like later on I think he is. Uh, I think he, you know, sees that he should be, and uh, it. But it's not. It's not like. It's not like religion is forced. It's just this is what's happening in this town. This is who these people are. It's kind of. It's not like a forced, you know, cheat. It's not like that. So it's kind of. It's just. It's just realistic. It's this is the real life, and this is real, and well, blah, because blah. it is based on true stories. Um, <clears throat> he kind of combined a lot of different things, like, when she had, you know, not all the events happened at Christmas time, but he just kind of compiled a lot of different events into a time, a short time period to be near Christmas to, to make a better story, which is like, you know, <laughs> that's totally reasonable as a writer. Um, you take different moments that, of your life and combine them to... <clears throat> you know, create a good story, and he wanted to make a Christmas story out of it, so 
Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Glenn, Glenn did live in the barn behind his house, which is like, that's crazy to me. <laughs> it's like, it's sweet and cool and like fate, but, and it's cool, but it's like, in a way it kind of makes me think like, so you didn't just come up out of no, like you had a, an inn, you know, kind of. Like, of course, Glenn lived there, so, like, the art dealer would come there, and, like, Tom got to know the art dealer, so it's, like, you kind of had an in with that, which is, like, it's fine, but it's, like, I'm sure it was fate, but it's, like, you know, it just makes me kind of, like, as an author myself, it's, like, how do I get in the door if, like, everybody that actually gets somewhere has to have, like, you know, some sort of connection, and I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I don't know. It's like overnight success is kind of a myth, you know, which it is. I know that. Like, it takes a lot of hard work. There's no real such thing as overnight success, but, like, the hard work is the part that doesn't bother me. It's the fact that, like, you have to know somebody that bothers me. It's like, do you really have to know somebody? Like, that's that's the part that's, like, daunting it's like so if you live somewhere where the, you know you're not near Cal like you pretty much have to live in LA to like be a screenwriter you know what I'm saying or you have to live in New York like you can't just live where you live and like have people want to like sell your work you know what I'm saying like it's just seems very depressing <laughs> and like but anyway so anyway, her house is falling apart, and also Tom finds a letter from the bank that says her house is going to be foreclosed on, and she's all like, that's not your business, I'm supposed to take care of you, you're the kids, and I'm like, but like, that's their home too, like you're losing the house that does involve them, you know, that's their house that they grew up with, you know what I'm saying, but anyway, whatever, like, one thing I don't like about this character is like, her stubborn, like, prod is it is what it is and I don't know if it's supposed to be but like it feels like the movie's trying to act like her prod is endearing but that's not an endearing quality that's just you know what I mean like it's just not like to me it's like that's a fall that's a, like a flaw you know that's not like a good quality to have like this whole I don't know I guess it's this boomer like idea that like nobody helping me is like a good trait to have but it's like you know it's it's pride is not good <laughs> you know and it's like it's not helpful to anybody and she, she, I don't know I feel like she's trying to be helpful to them but she's like because they lay in bed at night and discuss like Tom says he's not going back to hope that he's gonna stay in town and get a job you know to help pay off the bank mortgage which is like three thousand some dollars and that's a lot you know like I don't know if they're I don't know how people out there listening feel you know where they're at in life but like that's a lot of money especially like to them at this point and uh she's got to come up with three thousand dollars in two weeks so Tom's gonna try and get a job and then Pat agrees that he wants to get a job and like they discuss this drawing that Tom did of um their dad leaving because their dad left him and Tom's like we were babies and he just left us alone and he's like mom told me I was man of the house and that's when he was like I'm gonna fix this for her you know because he's man of the house you know what I mean and uh 
Pat's like, yeah, I'm going to stay too and get a job. And I'm like, they're pretty nice. <laughs> I mean, this is in, in her, sh- you know, they tell her the next day at breakfast, like, hey, we're going to do this. And she's like, no, you're on vacation. Your job is school. And when you're on vacation, you're, you know, when you're at home, you're supposed to be on vacation from school. But they're not having it. And it's like, how do they afford school? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, do they get scholarships? Like, they're both in college. And it's like, I mean, they can't be that poor <laughs> if they went to college unless, well, this was in the 70s when college was like $5 and a bottle of pop to get into. But anyway, <laughs> it's like, see, now add student debt onto this and we got real problems. You know what I'm saying? Like. I'm I'm serious. Like people act like, oh, back in the day we did this. We just went to college, and it's like, yeah, college was like five hundred dollars a year. You know how much was it for them to go to college? Because it's like money is an issue here. Who paid for their college, or did they get scholarships? I I don't know. Or student loans, maybe. I I don't know. But anyway, I'm like college is freaking expensive, so I don't know. They're both in college at the same time, so it's like. Who's paying for that? <laughs> you know, and she she's saying that she has a job, but she, spoiler alert, she's lying. She doesn't actually have a job. So it's like, this is not an endearing quality. She's lying, She, you know, and because of her pride. And it's like, pride is not an endearing quality to have. I don't know why they're acting like it is. But anyway. <clears throat> so, <laughs> anyway, uh, she's trying to make pancakes, plaster falls from the ceiling into the pancake mix and she like laughs about it and they're like ah oh, great she's a mess and uh <laughs> then like you know pat starts working for this electrician who is just he looks so much like one of my cousins like my older cousins it was actually like my mom's first cousin but they were close but <laughs> he looks so much like him it always gets to me but anyway um He's helping him with electro- electric stuff, and, like, the guy's, like, putting up Christmas decorations outside his house in competition with his neighbors, and that's a running, like, joke in this movie. And then Tom, he's out looking for work, and, um, we'll get there. So Thomas goes to this bar and, like, finds Ernie, who's, like, the town councilman or some crap, and, uh... <laughs> all this we get introduced to him and Tanya who's like the town girl who just she wants to keep running in the pageant and turn on the Christmas tree and Ernie's like oh it's gonna be on TV but it's like kind of pathetic (laughs) and um Tom's like I need a job he asks Ernie for a job and he's like no we don't have any and then like they stop and look at the mural that somebody is like drawing and it's not very good and he's like but anyway, so Tom's like, I can paint this mural, but, you know, it's it's the main street, whatever. And so they go tell their mom that they get jobs, and she's, like, sitting outside her pretend work. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he starts painting the mural, but he's, like, he acts like he's too good for it or whatever. Because Ernie was like, don't bring all your politics from Berkeley up here. Make it, like, a political commentary. It's just a painting on a bag of a store, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, whatever. And it's, he's like, $500 if you can get it done by Christmas Eve. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, that's kind of a lot 
not, but it's not. You know what I mean? Like, it's a big mural. Like, it's the whole side of the wall. Like, it seems like it should be more. But I guess $500.77, that's a pretty good amount. I don't know what that would be today, but that's a pretty good amount. But it's not going to be enough to cover the house payment because it's three, whatever. Anyway, I mean, couldn't they pay part of it and that would, but whatever. This is why I love Glenn. He's like, do you ever, did you ever do a painting you don't believe in? And Tom's like, funny you ask, I just got a job painting a mural plasterville for 500 bucks. And he's like, a mural plasterville? And he's like, yeah. And Tom's like, it's kind of ridiculous. And he's like, ridiculous? You have a chance to (laughs) illuminate the place you live and inspire your neighbors. And it's like, this whole thing, like, it's not even, you have to watch it to even get the feeling of him. But he... The things he says are so incredible. It's like you, art is a way to show people to themselves. And I'm like, he is so fantastic. And it's like, because he's an actual painter, like an actual famous, like selling his art painter. And he just moved to this small town. Like he's not even from here. Like Glenn's not from there. So he, you know, so it's like, he is like already famous. He's already lived that life and been this, like, painter that sells, you know? He's, like, pretty up there. And he's like, hey, no, 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 you're not too good for this, <laughs> you know? And it's like, and he he's, like, he's saying he also would not be too good for this, you know what I'm saying? Like, he he's, oh, he's so good. He's so smart. I love him. He's like, <laughs> he's like, give your best always. This is the only way an artist knows. He's like, you can introduce men to their souls. Now he's kind of losing it. <laughs> I mean, he kind of got a little excited there, and now he's kind of... You know, out of it, and Tom's, like, crying about it. It's, I'm like, ugh, but the things he said about art, I can't, I can't repeat all of it. I'm not going to repeat everything he says, because I want people to watch it, but, like, I love him. I love the things he says. Oh, and he's so sweet. He, like, smiles at Tom, and it's like, Tom's, like, crying because it's not happy Tom. He's, like, sad because <laughs> Glenn is getting old and feeble, and it's like, oh, so sad. Oh, and it shows Marianne going sitting and talking butch. Oh, gosh, this movie is so emotional the whole way through. <clears throat> um... And uh, she's sitting at the cemetery talking to Butch. He lost his son at Vietnam. And uh, then we go to Tom and he's painting. And then his neighbor comes out there with the German shepherd. He's trying to get the dog to sit, but he can't. And Tom is just like, sit. (laughs) The dog does. And he's like, that guy's like, I know you think I'm a busybody. Am I okay with you? Like, it's so sad. And Tom's like, yeah, of course you are. Like, what, you know, he, and then he gets an idea and he starts drawing that guy. Ugh. It's so emotional. Because it's like, it's just so emotional. Like, you would have to be watching it to get how Jared is, like, making the things matter. You know, and it's just, this, and Butch, the guy that plays Butch, he's the saddest looking old man ever. He's like, just his face looks like he should be sad all the time and he anyway he's the sweetest looking dude anyway we go to the church and that's, that's, that's something else 
They're trying to have a Christmas pageant. <laughs> Everything is a mess. This one guy's allergic to like the gum, the glue that is with the beard and just all this mess. And I'm not going to talk about that scene because there's nothing really to say. But it's funny. Everything's just messed up. And then the next day they're having dinner or breakfast or something. I guess it's breakfast. And uh, they hear this like, like weird horn and like. Tom had called his dad, and his dad was all like, I'm going to own this pizza place someday. He's working at, like, a pizza place. He's just full of his, full of crap, basically. And, uh, <clears throat> so he, Tom asked him to come home because it's an emergency and blah, blah, blah. But this is one of the things that didn't happen. Like, his dad left when he was young, and, like, in this, he kind of gets a redemption arc. And that didn't really happen, but Tom gave him one in this just because, you know, he wanted to, just because. <laughs> and, like, in a way, it's, like, sweet of Tom, you know, because it's, like, here's what that would look like. And he loves his dad regardless, you know, even though his dad didn't get redeemed. Like, as far as, like, his story arc in real life, he never came back around or, like, whatever. But, you know, Tom gave him that as a way of forgiving him. You know, and it's like, oh, that's sweet. And it really is. Um, anyway, so he comes back to town, but he's not cool. Like, he's not nice at first. Like, he, he's still, he's a mess. But, yeah. <laughs> he brings him a Christmas present. And what it is, is, like, porn mags, porn magazines. And he has firecrackers. He's just a basic, your basic 70s douchebag. Like, this is what douchebags act like back in the day. He's just terrible, really. Just annoying, but <laughs> he does crack me up in this a lot. But he, he's like, whatever the problem, because Tom's like, you gotta stick around because we got problems. It's real. And he's like, okay, sure, I'll stick around. All right. And then he's like, just whatever the problem is, just remember, grab your ass with both hands and don't let go. And it's like, what the heck does that even mean? <laughs> it's so funny. Oh. <laughs> Just when you think this movie is getting lighthearted, it takes you to this place where you're just like, this is so depressing. It's kind of hard to watch this movie because it is depressing, but anyway, Tom is back to painting the mural and Butch comes over. And Butch is like one of my favorite townspeople, like, because he's just the sweet one that I was talking about that lost his kid in Vietnam. Nine years. Um, Marianne went and got him to be the third wise man because one of them quit because of all the chaos. But anyway... <sighs> Butch is so sad looking and um <clears throat> he walks up on Tom painting the mural and he's like bitchin Tom and Tom's like in the process of like drawing Butch into the mural and um so instead of using the drawing that he has there of Butch he like it's like stay right there Butch I want to do this and he's like drawing him and he's like say Rembrandt you want to come with me to visit my son and it's like Ooh. <laughs> it's so sad and then they go and visit the graveyard. Tom goes with him and he's like talking to the grave. And he's like, why doesn't it get easier? They say Tom heals, but it does. it's so freaking sad. And like Tom walks up and like puts his hand on his shoulder. And he like freaking jumps. Like he doesn't even realize, you know, that he forgot that anybody was even there. But it's like, oh, Tom is taking this all in. Like seeing these people, you know, it's almost like he's seeing them for the first time. Because like he knew them before, but after... You know, he didn't really stop and think about it. He thought of the town as like a podunk little town that didn't have 
you know, it was too small for him, you know, because he wanted to be this big time artist. And then after his little kind of like a lecture from Glenn about, you know, don't think that you're too good for this town. Give your best work to everybody. You can introduce men to their souls. After that little speech, Tom starts actually noticing like the townsfolk, you know, like more seeing them, you know, as if it's for the first time in a way. And uh, he's getting his heart into the mural because he's actually letting these people into his heart. Like, even though he cared about them before, he never, like, took time to, like, stop and really think about who they are. You know, like, he sees them in a new light after what Glenn said. And so that's what's happening. So they need another new wise man. And uh, then we see Tom's dad at a bar. And so Marianne goes in there to ask him for help. And there's this whole, like, exchange between them that shows you that he's kind of a jerk. And she's trying to be, you know decent but she's kind of angry with him still my freaking fireplace changed colors again what the heck this is so frustrating i'm just gonna turn this is ridiculous but yeah um tom's dad is being kind of a jerk to marianne but you can kind of see like that they had something before you know what i mean and it's it's all this stuff I'm not going to explain this scene because I don't think there's much to talk about. I thought there would be more to talk about in this movie because I like it. But, like, there's not much to talk about, even though I've been talking for an hour. <laughs> but, you know. Um, mostly I like the parts with Glenn. Which I like all of it, but it's just, like, there's stuff that doesn't need to be talked about because it's just very on in the text, you know. She kind of tells him off at the bar and then we switch over to Glenn trying to paint Nicole and this is the first instance of us hearing Claire de Lune. I think of this every time I see this movie or hear this song and the painting is so perfect and he has red for her lips and he just his hand shakes and he just messes it up and he cries and I'm like you know what that looks terrible like that looks so sad he starts crying and it's terrible but like I've done things like that before when painting. You can fix that. Just blend it in with her skin. It's fine. Like, you, it can be fixed. Like, it's red. And, like, her skin is tan. So, like, you can fix it. I mean, you could fix it, technically. But he's having such a hard time painting because his hands shake. And he's... It's so sad. But it's so sad. Sydney comes over and he's the art dealer and we're at 44 minutes and I'm gonna take an ad break uh, just because it's about that time and I'm gonna come back uh, and do the rest <laughs> and we're back from the ad break and Sydney the art dealer has came in and he hears Glenn <laughs> complaining about the walker and he wants a rod. His staff that he walks with. He's give me something I can assault the enemy with. <laughs> he says a little bit of misogynistic things, but he also is like, I want to be able to use it to walk and also maybe beat people with. So, <laughs> And then he sees Sydney and, you know, they have a little conversation. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. They have like a sad but sweet and funny conversation. He actually does tell Sydney, he's like, I got something to tell you, but I forgot. And he's like, Oh, yeah, go to hell. <laughs> Sydney just laughs, you know. It's, and um, you can tell this guy really does care about him. Like, he cares about Glenn because Glenn is talking. He's like, I probably won't make it till Christmas. And he like has to fight tears, Sydney does. And he's, like, trying to inspire him to paint. But he knows that Glenn, you know, he, you know, he's, like, he's done. But, like, he's got one painting left. I know it. And um, Thomas is, like, yeah, I'm sure that your bank account will be happy about that. And he's, like, no, no, I love him and I love his art. You know, he's, like, he's been depressed ever since Nicole. And then Tom tells him, like, he's been getting confused lately. And Sydney's like, yeah, well. It's, you know, he's, like, sad about it. And then Tom asked him, like, my family's having financial problems. Like, do you think I could sell any of these paintings? And then he shows him some of his paintings and stuff. And Sydney's like, no, <laughs> I can't sell these. Uh, he's like, your teachers at Berkeley can do this, but better. And um, I don't know how people that watch this take this. But he's like, you might have something inside of you, but you haven't found it yet. And, like, that's the thing. Like, these pictures look perfect. They look exactly the way they're supposed to. You know, they're painted well. They're, they look like the thing that Tom was trying to paint exactly, you know. But, and he says that. He's like, you sure can draw, you know. You're, these look the way they're supposed to. But that's not, <clears throat> I mean, I don't like the classism of, like, only people, you know, these people that are like, this is art because I say so. I don't really like that, but, like, I don't think of, like, because you see people with, like, paintings of their houses, and it came from, like, a factory <laughs> that, you know, and, I mean, that's kind of what Thomas Kincaid's paintings ended up being in a way, but I think he personally had, like, a vision, and without a vision in art, I don't think it's art. I think it's just a good drawing or good painting, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, that's my painting. Like, when I paint, I don't hardly ever have like a painting that's like inspired you know what I mean like there's been like a couple maybe one ever um but mostly it's just like wanting to make something look good like a good painting of something but that's it's missing that heart and the art of it you know and it's like I'm just not good at that that's just not what I do. Like, that's that's where my writing goes. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I go with my writing. It's like, it's a totally different experience than just trying to uh, make it sound good or whatever. And that's the difference between art and not art. <laughs> and I have a friend that's like an artist. And he's like one of the only people that I know. Because I know people that are like really, really good at like art or like making pictures you know, but this guy is actually like, you know, I've seen people do like fantastic artwork, but not like with feeling, you know, with like a certain, he's just a true artist, you know, and he knows, I told him this recently. He's like, I didn't even know you thought that about me, but it's like, as far as like art goes, like painting art or drawing art, like he actually has a vision and a unique like voice to his art. Um, it's not just like, 
about making things look the way that they should look or like oh yeah that looks exactly what a landscape looks like that's not real art to me even though that's what I do like I'm not good at making like you know art that says something or has feeling I'm not good at that I'm just not it's not what I'm called to do I mean I like painting things and um I think I'm okay at it but like I know that it's not real art I know it couldn't be sold because it's not like that um <clears throat> but that's where like my writing is um that's where I'm at with writing uh so that's just it's just not my thing you know I don't really consider myself a painter I do it for fun and I like doing it but and I can make pictures look pretty or whatever but I can't like <laughs> I don't have an artistic vision with like painting yet and I'm not trying to you know but like I understand it and I'm, I accept that but like I think a lot of people will watch this and feel like oh, how dare you say that about Thomas but it's like he's not wrong he's not wrong Thomas hasn't found his vision yet, you know, for art. He's searching for it. He's good at pictures, but he's not... That's what it is. He's good at pictures, you know, but, like, true art is more than that. And people might disagree, but I don't really care. I don't think it's... You know, you don't have to have, like, a commentary within the picture that you paint. Like, I'm not saying it has to say something, but it, your heart has to be in it. And you have to know who you are and what your purpose is for, for that. And um, like I said, I've done that once. Like an inspired painting. And it's it looks totally different than all the rest. Because it was inspired. And um, it's the only one I can say that I truly felt inspired when I painted it. Like it was an inspired painting. Everything else was just kind of like, oh, look, I can draw this to look exactly like anime or whatever. I've been drawing since I was a kid. I'm good at it. I know I'm good at drawing and I'm good at painting, but, like, it doesn't matter because, of the, you know, it's not sellable. It's just like, oh, I can make things look the way they're supposed to and that's it. You know, <laughs> it's not. So, yeah, that's actually, he's actually right about Thomas at this point. Like, Thomas found it, you know, later, but at this point he had not found it. He was just, the techniques were down. He was getting all the techniques down, which is like a thing that should happen. Like you have to learn how to do something before you do it with purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like get all the techniques down and then, I don't know. I love this quote. I can't remember whose it is, but it says, um, learn all the rules like a professional so you can break them like an artist. And it's like, exactly. Like, you know, even with writing, like you learn all the grammar rules and all the rules of how to make a good story. Like you learn all the rules of writing. But you don't have to follow the rules. But you should learn them first before you break them. So you know that you are breaking them. And why you're breaking them. You could, you should only break them on purpose and not by accident. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Anyway. You know. You can't just make a mess and be like well it's art and I'm breaking all the rules. It's like you're not breaking the rules. You don't know the rules. You can't be breaking the rules if you don't know them. Like, you're just not good at it. You know what I mean? Like, that's the difference. Like, when people subvert tropes or, like, do things differently with their artwork in shows, movies, writing, whatever, you know, you're breaking the rules. You know, if you're breaking the rules because you don't know them or care or you're just not good at it, it's gonna, you know, 
it's, there's going to be a difference in like if you're doing it because you can't help it because you're not good at it, you know, or you don't know how. Like if you learn all the right techniques and then you make up your own, that's learning the rules and then breaking them like an artist. That's different. You know, I think you should know how to do things the technically correct way so that you can break those rules. It goes with like singing and everything. Like just, yeah, <laughs> just everything. It really goes for singing, too, because some people don't know how to sing, and they just don't do it correctly. And But if you're, like, not doing things technically correct on purpose, because you're like, I want it to sound this way for an artistic choice, that's totally different than a different thing. And you can always tell. You know, I'm not saying everybody has to take singing lessons, but singing is something we know how to do instinctually. But, like, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you can tell when somebody's doing it because they can't do it the right way. And be or because they choose not to. And um, so Tom is like, he's doing everything technically the correct way. Like, he knows how to paint. He can paint things to look exactly the way they're supposed to. He's really good at it. But, like, at this point, you know, but he just hasn't found his vision yet for what, you know, kind of artist he wants to be. So, anyway. Where? Yeah. <laughs> so, that's all I wanted to say about that. Then he sees Nanette, his first love, and his heart jumped because she talked to him about his mural. And then we go into a montage of, like, everybody getting ready for Christmas, her mom, his mom helping people, the play, um, Patrick helping that guy with electricity, and Tom painting the mural more, and stuff like that. And then, you know, the mayor is like, oh, this sucks. And then everybody comes up and is like, oh, this is a good mural. And then... Mayor's like, yeah, it's my idea to put everybody in there. And he's like, 50 bucks if you can paint me in there. And, like, <laughs> it's stupid. But they still don't have enough money. Him and Patrick talk about it. Hope calls and says she's coming. And they kind of treat her like this big city villain, you know. But it's like, whatever. Hope did nothing wrong. <laughs> but, anyway. I hate when things do that. I just, <sighs> this big city girl wants you to not give up on your dreams. And it's like, um how dare she i mean why would she you know like why would she not want to spend time with her boyfriend but whatever but anyway so <laughs> um he goes to talk to his dad at a bar and ask him for some money and his dad's like oh no i don't want to and then he eventually has to say like i don't have any because it's obvious he doesn't it's like why would he have any money he works at a pizza shop like why do you think he has extra money lying around like look at him he's not no like you should have known that um, but whatever. And, uh, he finds out he can't get money from his dad, so that sucks. Because his dad keeps, well, his dad keeps talking about how he's got all this money saved up. And it was obviously a lie. Oh, this town hall here, this yellow building, that is totally the same mayor's building from Once Upon a Time. Like, the yellow building that's, like, the big town hall. That is Once Upon a Time for sure. This might be the same town. Like, this might be the same lot they use for Once Upon a Time, because it, that, that building is so the same. Um, yeah, I bet it is. And Tom's back at the mural. And the dog... Butch's dog is there. Now Tom finds out that his mom lied about going to work every day. She's actually lost her job. She was laid off before. So, yeah. Hope came, and he's like, here, all of a sudden, Hope was there with her big city of dreams for me, but it's like, 
she is trying to be a part of your life. <laughs> like, why are you complaining? Like, she, she's, you know, she has a family. Why did she, uh, she's, she's putting herself out there. She's coming to your hometown to get to know your people. Like, dude. They try to do the tree lighting and it messes up, obviously. And the electrician's like, everybody's looking at him. He's like, what? Because I lighted it? It's not, or I electric, you know, what wired it? It's not my fault. And it's like, kind of is, but whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just one of those silly things. And then we get back to Glenn and he's staring at Nicole. And I'm trying to see if this painting looks like Audrey. <laughs> Even though I know Tom Lon was, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. It's still my head, kind of. This man is top tier. <laughs> um... Marianne comes to bring Glenn hot chocolate and he's in a like kind of like a dementia flashback to where he's in Paris with Nicole on a bridge at the Point Neuf. And um Marianne talks him into realizing that he's where he is. She's like, It's nineteen seventy seven and he's like, You've made me an old man. I was young a moment ago. And it's like, why didn't you not leave him alone? And then she's like, You need to go outside and you know, let me take you to the pageant. You need to f experience life and taste it and see it. And he's like, I see more than you think. And he's like, Marianne, you're killing yourself with pride. It's like, I love this man so much. Like, I just, I love the actor, the character. And she's, she wants to take him to the church. And he's like, I respectfully, respectfully decline your offer. And he says that the next time he's in a church, it'll be for his funeral. And she's like, oh gosh, this is so sad. <laughs> and uh, he takes this because she brings him a sprig of pond to smell. And he's like smelling it. It's so sweet, but sad. <laughs> and that's just every scene he's in. That's pretty much all you can say. It's sweet, but sad. I mean, he just turned this random barn in a field behind their house into a studio. And like, they just take care of him. And I'm like, of course. <laughs> like, that just... Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. Tom painted the pageant scenery with wax-based paint, and so, yes, that's going to cause some issues. Because they have TV cameras there, and they're doing the pageant. The wax paint is melting off under the lights, and it looks like the donkey's peeing. And so the... Yeah. But there's, like, a palm tree there, and, like, one of the leaves falls off, and I'm like, didn't you put those together? Like... You didn't put the leaves up there with paint, did you? Like, that's weird to begin with. Like, are they connected by paint? I always wondered that when I watched this. I'm like, why is the leaf falling off the palm tree whenever... Did you connect it to the rest of the tree with paint? Because that would have been a bad idea anyway. <laughs> yeah, the pageant falls apart and, like, Ernie, the mayor, the... Whatever he is. He's all mad and he's like, Tom, this is your fault. You're the one that did the scenery, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, Tom's dad gets mad and, like, stands up for him and, like... That's his redemption arc is that he stands up for him and he's like, this town is okay. You know, you don't need to press anybody. Look at that mural that Tom painted. He showed you the heart and soul of this place. And like, like I said, this is a fabrication of what his dad, his dad never did this, but this is his redemption. <clears throat> but I mean, it's better like this, <laughs> but uh, his dad stands up for him and stuff and says some really nice, good things. And Holmes like, you don't need these people. Let's go, you know, back to Berkeley, blah, blah, blah. And Tom's like, no, I, I'm not going to. <laughs> she tells him not to give up on himself. And I'm like, honestly, yeah, like, she's a great person. Like, I'm sorry, but she did nothing wrong. <laughs> she's not this evil big city girl that wants to, 
make him something is not. She's like, you know, she's actually trying to help. <sighs> and they do this candle lighting ceremony, which I've never seen done in a church in real life, but I love it because I read about it in this book once and they talked about what it represents and it's like, Love, like the flame of a candle, is the only thing that, you know, the more you share it, the more of it there is. And it's like, oh my gosh, what a great thing. And, like, they don't explain it in this scene, but, like, that's what it is, and it's great. And um, they have all these candles up, and I'm like, since things have been going the way they have, do you think it's a good idea to have, like, so much open flame? <laughs> but okay. Um, but anyway, Marianne reads the verses, and um, it's really beautiful. And uh, Tom, he has a candle and he blows it out and leaves because he's got some plans because Marianne talks about the light and stuff and how we, they could all use a little more light in the world and blah, blah, blah. So that gives him an idea. And, you know, Thomas Kincaid is the painter of light. So we'll get into that more in a second or later on. But yeah, <laughs> after they leave the church, they go... Oh, the scene is killing me. Okay, <clears throat> so everybody leaves the church and they go look at the mural and they all see themselves in it and all this stuff. and It's really sweet. And then Tom has painted Glenn into it too, so we go to Glenn's studio. Just preparing for this scene is killing me. This is like, the one. <laughs> see, I can't do it. I can't do it. The scene is the scene that's like, so, ugh. and Tom brings a little candle to Glenn, because he's alone, and, um, yeah. This is the scene where Jerry Padalecki blows my mind. He's, like, kneeling in front of Glenn, and he holds his paintbrushes. He takes a candle. I can't repeat anything he said, because I will cry my eyes out, but, like, you just have to watch it. And Jared... He's killing me. Peter... Glenn doesn't say anything. It's all Jared. And it's like... Ugh. And then Claire de Lune starts playing again. And Glenn starts painting. Because Jared... Er, <laughs> Tom told him not to give up. So, yeah. He's had a lot of good stuff. Keeps all him crying. <laughs> Can't take it. Everything he said there was wonderful and great. I love, I love watching him paint like this. Cause it's like, <laughs> guys, sad as heck. Like, be prepared. This is sad as heck. Tom drew a picture of the cottage for his mom, so that way she'd never lose the cottage. <laughs> It's Christmas Day, and she comes outside. Somebody knocks on the door. And, uh, the whole town has basically showed up to help her fix up the house. So maybe she could sell it. You know, they can't help her keep it, but they want to fix it up for her to make it livable, at least. There's a montage of everybody fixing things up, and it's really cute. There's like an old lady hammer and stuff, and Tom's dad's there helping turn on, fix the truck. <laughs> Man, and then Glenn is walking with his staff over to like it's so it's a snow covered landscape, and like Glenn is 
bring walking himself with his staff down the snow covered pathway and I'm like, This is art. <laughs> like watching the scene is art. Just Peter O'Toole in this is beautiful scenery. Like just he he's carrying a big giant thing that says Ultium Ultium Folium. Yeah. And um so it's like, oh my gosh, he's walking like by himself with the staff. It's like amazing. And, uh, he says some, he, we'll just get there, because there's, like, a commercial now. Glenn tells Tom to paint the light. <laughs> I'm like, ugh, I'm crying. He says a lot of good stuff, and it's just not the same. It's, I can't, because it's good stuff to say, like, the, the words are good, but, like, I can't deliver them the way Peter O'Toole, <laughs> I'm going to attempt to deliver them the way Peter O'Toole does, because his accent and the way he says things are just so... And he presents them with the painting, and he's like, I was trying to paint the leaves of the forest, but I needed to paint the light behind them, you know. He's like, he was trying to capture Nicole, but he actually painted just the light, you know. And it's really actually a beautiful painting, and um, he calls it the last leaf. I'm not sure if this is real, a real painting, but this is wonderful for storytelling. It's just a wonderful story. He says it's his last painting and he wants them to sell it. He gives it to them and he's like, I'll treasure this forever. And he's like, no, you won't. You're going to sell it. And he's like, I want you to sell it and, you know, use the money to keep this cottage forever. And then Glenn stays for supper. <laughs> and it's such an appropriate, like, name for his last painting, The Last Leaf. It's just, yeah, such appropriateness. And, uh. Oh my gosh, he's like shaking, like, because he's very feeble. But it's like, I saw Peter O'Toole in an interview after this. I want people to know this. If you watch this movie, I saw Peter O'Toole in an interview after this, and he is not this feeble at all. Like, he he's not, <laughs> he's not at all feeble. Like, he wasn't at all feeble in real life at this point. This is all acting. So it's like, this is amazing. Because he was, he was totally in his, you know, completely steady. I mean, he was old, you know, actually, but, like, he wasn't feeble at all. He wasn't parallel, you know, he was perfectly fine in real life. So this is all acting. <clears throat> and so that's, I just want people to know that how good of an actor he is. This is all his acting skills at play for him acting so feeble and stuff. And it's like, Tom can't quit crying every time he looks at him. And it's, it's very upsetting to me because... <laughs> Uh, I keep thinking, because Claire de Lune is playing, and, like, Glenn is smiling at Tom, Tom's smiling at him, he's got tears in his eyes, and I keep thinking that Glenn's gonna die any moment. Tom walks Glenn home that night. Big Jim fixes the lights in the tree, and Tom goes and paints the light into the mural. And then Big Jim, even though he, uh, tried to compete with his neighbors with Christmas lights, he takes all of them down and then leaves one star and on top of his house, and that's it. And that's all he ever did after that. <laughs> it looks like he's got a Christmas tree inside, too, but he stopped decorating so much. <laughs> he's doing a voiceover. He's doing a voiceover talking about everything that happened to everybody. And he says that, like, 
when he went back the next night to see Glenn. Glenn had already passed. <laughs> like, I'm seriously. Ugh. And then he says a bunch of nice things about Glenn. Then he tells, you know, things about how everybody turned out in the end in the town. I don't think anybody cares about that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody needs me to say it. Like, you should seriously just watch this movie. Like, the whole point of this movie is Glenn. Like, honestly. <laughs> it just really is. Glenn Westman. Then he does the whole voiceover and uh, it goes into actually... <sighs> Hang on. Um, it shows Thomas, the real Thomas, painting a picture of the cottage. And then it shows a picture of young Thomas with the real Glenn. <laughs> and, um... Yeah... It's so sad. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. <sighs> okay. Um. So that's that. And that was the movie. It's over. But I freaking love Peter O'Toole and Jared Padalecki did such a good job. And uh, oh my gosh, I love it. And um, yeah, that's the saddest freaking movie. <laughs> Half the people died. Like, no, like, eventually. Um, not, like, right then, but it's just, uh, and then, you know. <clears throat> Ugh. And he says, as for Danette, that's a different story for a different time. He married her. Um, oh my gosh, phone's ringing. Never mind, it's not for me. But anyway, so, um... Yeah, but <laughs> I have a party line. No, I have a shared phone line with my neighbor. That's weird, but like I don't need, cause land. Who has landlines anymore? You know what I mean. But anyway, um, just <laughs> it's easier. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, so that was the movie. And there's this one quote that's like my favorite quote, almost of all time. And it, it cause I feel like people, I felt judged like. I felt judged by people for putting this up because I know people are weird or whatever. Like, people don't get it. You know what I'm saying? But, like, when Tom brought a candle to Glenn, he's like, okay, and I'm just, I don't, I'm flustered because this movie stirs up a lot of emotions. But, um, I think I've said pretty much all I wanted to. Um, but this is my last podcast before Christmas and I'm not going to do any until like New Year's Eve and I don't know if I'm going to be recording it on New Year's Eve or not but I'll try to start because usually it takes me a couple days because I don't want to set this takes a while so like <laughs> I usually do half one day and then the other half the next day so um I might start on the day before Christmas or New Year's Eve for the next one um I think I already said what it's going to be it's going to be 200 cigarettes but That'll be a lot more fun. <laughs> Not as much crying um, involved. And um, so, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So this is my last podcast before Christmas. So if I don't, you know, because I'm, I'm going to be taking this break and enjoying Christmas movies on my own. <laughs> and um, like, you should watch this. You should watch, definitely go watch The Man Who Invented Christmas, um, Muppets Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life. I could talk about all of those, like, for years, but not this year, because we're going to uh, just do one a year. This year, we're going to do one, 
um, because I've just run out of time and I want to spend Christmas enjoying it and not, you know, um, so next year, who knows which Christmas maybe I'll do, but it's, you know, I'll do a different one every year, I guess, <laughs> maybe one or two a year. We'll see. But cause I did several Halloween movies this year or like scary movies, you know, horror movies. So we'll see what goes on next year, but. I'll probably be doing Mr. Robot by then. Um, hopefully, we'll get through whatever comes next. I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing after the new year. Because um, I got one plan for new year. I don't have anything planned yet for next year. Um, I was thinking about doing Riverdale <laughs> for fun. <laughs> like, just, 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 I'm not even going to get into it. But I haven't even watched the new episodes. Um, I told my mom, I said, I don't even want to watch the new episodes until after Christmas because I don't want to ruin my Christmas. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But anyway, um, <clears throat> my favorite quote from this movie, and this is the last thing I want to say, but before I say that, I want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. I hope you, and happy other holidays. Kwanzaa, I think is coming up. Not sure exactly, but I don't, I don't want to be exclusive. You know, I don't want to exclude anybody, but you know, um, I celebrate Christmas, so I'm saying Merry Christmas, but also, you know, happy other holidays if you're not, you know, celebrating Christmas, um, or just have a fun winter, you know what I mean? Like, just whatever, but <laughs> whatever you do, enjoy it. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Merry Christmas, and, and, uh, I'll be back by New Year, um, I'll probably be recording near nearer to New Year's Eve for 200 cigarettes. And um, I'm not sure I'm going to post it on New Year's Eve because nobody's going to be listening to a podcast on New Year's Eve. But that might be, I might be recording one on New Year's Eve because I don't have any friends. Uh, <laughs> or I don't have anything to do. Plus the pandemic. I mean, what? maybe I will post it because we're in a pandemic and people don't have anything else to do. But um, <clears throat> anyway. So that's all for that, and I'm going to go enjoy Christmas movies, and um, anyway, so here's my favorite quote from the movie. <laughs> you told me that Christmas Eve was the one night a year that all the animals could talk. You said when the animals talk, it wasn't magic, it was holy, a glimpse of the sacred. One night of the year that all creatures could understand the heart of every living human being. Or, the one night of the year that humans could understand the heart of every living being. <sighs> Is that not beautiful? And it's so... The way Jared delivers it... Anyway, I'm... I'm yeah. You just have to watch it. <laughs> Jared's delivery is on point. Mine is not. <laughs> but anyway, go talk to some animals on Christmas Eve. No, seriously. Um, that's beautiful. And I don't care if people judge me for it. Like, I feel like judged. And it's like, if you're thinking that, like, I'm crazy. Like, it's one of my favorite quotes. And I feel like people are like, that's not a thing. And it's like, that's not the point. <laughs> you know, understand art, please. Like, seriously. Like, because I just, I just have, a, I just felt, you know, I'm, I posted on Facebook and I felt very judged about it and I was just like you know I just I don't like 
people not getting what that's about you know it's like that's not it's not you know it's can you not like you know enjoy things or let people enjoy things but no seriously um yeah I think it's beautiful I think this movie movie is beautiful and if you like are a Christian like it because people are like it doesn't talk much about that and I'm like do you not understand like I don't know there's just so much underneath the things that are being said so you know I whatever just saying um so that's all I want to say about that I was gonna end on that quote but I guess I just had to yeah I messed it up anyway so I'm sorry I'm so manic um and that's it (laughs) that's that's my Christmas movie podcast and that's all